everybody and welcome to the Dirty Work Minute. It's the podcast where we're watching the 1998 Norm Macdonald film Dirty Work one minute at a time. And I'm one of your hosts, David K. Jones. And I'm John Yabez and today we have a very special guest. Yeah. He's an inventor and he actually uh, coordinated with an, another fellow time traveler and stopped a sex robot epidemic oh, that happened God. recently. Uh, he actually invented a disease that just killed all of them. So well, let's welcome the inventor of the sex robot disease killer. <laughs> Anthony Negrelli is here. Hey. Ooh, yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, first and foremost, I just want to thank you for saving humanity. You and Jerry Micastillo. No problem. Yeah, uh, you guys make a great team. Yeah, no, he's he's really the, 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 the brains behind the operation. See, I had the idea of how do you defeat sex robots? You got to use STDs, right. right? STDs for good, right? And uh, Jeremy, being the brilliant <laughs> scientist he was, he was able to concoct... A killer kill only sex robot STD, and uh, which is actually the name of the disease. Yeah, the, yeah, it's, exactly. Uh, the killer robot STD sex disease. Yeah, the K R S T D S D. Exactly, and uh, Jeremy let me name it. I think one thing that was 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 great about that is he invented the disease, and I was the one who actually administered the disease to all the sex robots individually. Yes, wow. sexually. Oh, oh wow, though. <laughs> yeah. Um, basically, I had to let every single robot rape me, mm. and uh, they got my disease, and that's how. That's how we ended the the, the outbreak. It was yeah. pretty. It was pretty remarkable. Okay. Uh, good teamwork on that part. Yeah, and uh, I just I just want to be on record as saying that the the very end of that day was probably the most emotional part for me at least. That's when we had to watch Anthony say goodbye to Jeremy oh, Castillo because yeah. he Jeremy decided that you know he needed to, to he needed to venture out and save every single universe he could. Actually, so, actually, it was kind of, it's kind of amazing. He didn't like get on a ship any or anything like that. He hmm. actually just started to transcend space and time right before my eyes. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> just, we've seen you <laughs> go uh, throughout time, but not space. So yeah. Okay. It's kind of interesting. Basically, uh, Jeremy was there. He delivered his final address to mankind. Bill Cosby appeared, kind of put his arm around Jeremy, and they both just kind of sus- proceeded to disappear from time and space. Uh, they became I, one with time. I, I don't know if you know this about Bill, yeah. Bill Cosby, but Bill Cosby has transcended space and time as well. And now he's out there. I actually have an audio recording <laughs> of Bill Cosby. Is that why you were playing with your phone? Yeah, yeah. He, uh, just uh, exclusive content from the actual... Just don't, just don't mind the, the audio quality is not as great. No, okay. Jeremy, unfortunately, doesn't really say anything in the clip. Because, you know, Bill Cosby's always a yeah. uh, scene stealer, that guy. Yeah. So, uh, you want me to play it for you guys? Sure. All right. So, here's here's Bill Cosby transcending space and time. It's me. It's me, Bill Cosby. Don't go. I'm going to take my friend Jeremy. And we're going to... We're gonna go ahead. <laughs> we're gonna transcend space and time. <laughs> and that was uh, the exclusive clip. Wow! Of yeah, wasn't that amazing? Yeah. yeah, it was like I was right there. Yeah, it was uh, as he was transcending yeah, space like and time. That light was just so bright. Yeah, yeah. Wow, that was cool. It's uh. 
Well known fact about Bill Cosby, he's uh, he likes he to narrate what he does. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he, he, he always narrates his entire life. They always said that he's very, very podcast friendly. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. We're gonna miss you, Bill Cosby. Take yeah. care, take care, of Jeremy Castillo. You hear me? Wherever universe you guys are in right now. So uh, today we're talking about minute twenty-three of uh, Dirty Work, and it starts with Mr. Hamilton, played by Don Rickles, saying, "So there you are, Tubby." And it ends with him saying, I'll see to it that you'll be tearing off tickets in Kuwait. Kamala And everyone's sucking sand. <laughs> and that's the end of the minute. <laughs> we just want to let everyone know that was just David quoting the movie. Yeah. <laughs> we don't, uh. We don't actually speak Farsi. Uh, you know what I mean? But, uh. <laughs> I'm sure, you know, he didn't say anything offensive. Yeah. I'd like to actually commend you for your effort, David. That was uh, actually a really good impression. Yeah, yeah it's actually yeah, how Don, Don Rickles said it. Yeah, 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 he actually said it like that. <laughs> <laughs> Same inflection and everything. It was a master class of impersonation. See, we think Don Rickles is being really insulting, but really what happened was he, he was saying a word in Farsi, mm. and then immediately after translating, you know, he's just like, <laughs> ah, everyone sucking sand, you know what I mean? Because he knew... That the rest of the employees they don't speak. No, <laughs> yeah, know? he was, he was wanna, translating for them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you got it. He's want to make it abundantly clear, right? You know what I mean? Because <laughs> yeah, that's like, just oh. the name of the film that they are letting people into in the right. Kuwaiti called "Everyone is Sucking Sand." Yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> a problem over there. This yeah. is a this is a great minute because it, it, it kind of <laughs> just, just all Don Rick. Yeah, it showcases probably one of the best in the business that there ever was. <laughs> just just relentless, especially on uh, poor poor Sam. Oh, yeah. Sam. Yeah. <laughs> There ain't no Frodo saving him this time. You know, the Sam's just taking the, all the brunt here. So, uh. I, th- I think that, like, to me, like, I don't know why this really stands out to me, but, like, when he's getting into that guy's head, he, he says the ba- Baskin and Robbins, they're down to just five flavors. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but the line he says immediately after that, where he says, like, what does he say? He's like, you're swelling. You're, you're swelling up as I talk to you. <laughs> yeah, like, that, I think, like, once again, I've never had someone just, like, go to town on me weight-wise like that, but I think just psychologically, you're not even eating, you're not doing anything, right? It's just when someone's telling you that even just standing there, you're getting fatter, yeah. you know what I mean? I was just like, oh, man, Don, he's, like, next level, yeah. right? You know what I mean? Um, I, love the, I love the fact that he that he talks to the ice cream that's running around in Sam's stuff. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, that's right. He like actually yeah. he actually leans down and like that's that's another insulting thing too. It'd be like if I just if like a girl were to come up to me and go like, uh, excuse me, my eyes are up here, and I'd be like, yeah, but your tits are down here. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just like it's it's so insulting for when you talk to a part of someone's body. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's like that's like extra like another. That's what I'm saying. Like yeah. his his head game is so strong. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like. It like they say that like one of the ways you can psychologically mess with a person is by renaming them. Oh, like okay. you know, what I mean, you just refuse to call them by their name. You name them, and then it's like you start to cycle. And you see him right. doing it here. He just like yeah. he never says his name. <laughs> he just labels him and just goes right for like you know, you know like what you say makes a lot of sense because uh, me honest with you guys here. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> when I was growing up, one of my one of the term of endearment uh, that my family gave me was a uh, fat boy oh <laughs> term of endearment or yeah. means of control yeah. But like yeah but they would always call me fat boy you know like even they named to, you to begin with yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah they did which you know which i don't know if i just turned it on them as i got older just <laughs> because i was lazy right but like you know they're always just like why don't you go on a run and i'm like but i'm fat boy 
<laughs> How am I supposed? I'm not gonna lose this moniker. It gives me a lot of personality. Yeah. You know, that's <laughs> how I identify. Yeah, it's like I can't get rid of this now. I was born. I was born this way. Yeah. Well, <laughs> people call me Skinny Boy. That doesn't hold any punch. That sounds like you do too. That sounds like a drug name. You know what I mean, Skinny Boy? <laughs> yeah. Or just like plain Skinny. You know, like, hey, yeah. would you, you talk to Skinny yet? You know, what, you, know what, you know what Skinny does? Skinny goes down to the billiards parlor. <laughs> Right? And hustles for his next heroin fix. You know what I mean? He's like the dude with the unbuttoned baseball shirt that has like the, the abs that are yeah. inexplicable. Yeah. You're like, how do you even have abs you do so much drugs? Yeah. You know yeah. Skinny, Skinny can't can't shoot straight until he get until he gets the stuff. You know what I mean? <laughs> hey dude, hey, uh uh what's his name? Efron Reyes, right? Very Filipinos, man, they're good at they're good at the pool. Yeah, I know that guy. What's what's the F stand for? Filipino. <laughs> oh, Minnesota Fats. That could have been you. You could have been uh, uh Philippines Fats. You know what I mean? It'd be funny, like you're fat boy Yabez, and every time they catch you like playing a game of pool, you're also eating like a fat boy ice cream sandwich. (laughs) 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 You like you really, you really like that. Listen, if fat boy is out there and they need a spokesperson, (laughs) I will, I will be your spokesperson if I get to eat unlimited fat boys. That's that's the thing. It's just it's just a picture of you and the ice cream sandwich, and it just says obviously. <laughs> and I have like some another racist catchphrase. Like I'll just yell at I Carumba for no reason. <laughs> yeah, Don Rickles. Don, yeah. But then uh, he gets he gets the Norm McDonald. Yeah, I was yeah. Say, yeah, yeah. Don Rickles is burned against Mitch. Is like it's so good, but like so confusing because it's so good. They're like you wouldn't even know how to respond to that. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Because it's not even, it doesn't even feel like an insult, but it yeah. is. But I love just Mitch's reaction itself to watching his best friend getting berated for being friends. <laughs> That's right, yeah. He just starts laughing at yeah, it. Yeah. And the Don Rickles tells him to, uh, what was it? Get a horse and go live on a mountain. Stop bothering people. <laughs> <laughs> right? Because that's like, uh, that on the surface is very insulting, right? Basically telling, like, basically telling someone to, like, the fuck off, basically. Yeah. Right? But in, like, the most polite. <laughs> peaceful way like yeah. what's more peaceful than like riding a horse up into a mountain yeah. and but it's saying that society doesn't need you at all yeah yeah mm. but you know what it's like i mean not to get all comedy nerdy or whatever but like i think when i hear a line like that why don't you get on a horse ride up the mountain and don't, you know like because you said it's just like him basically it's a very elaborate way of him saying fuck off but fuck off doesn't have the same melody to it yeah you know what i mean that's the thing about when you listen to that insult it's so confusing to us but the reason why he says it that way is for the way it sounds it's not for the content of it that you're laughing mm. it's got the rhythm of something that's insulting but it's not really that insulting right you know what i mean so i think that's another thing it's, it's a he can make fun of someone for being fat, and that's very obviously aggressive going after that. Right. And then he can make fun of Norm MacDonald just in tone. <laughs> yeah. just, it's just the tone at which he said that, you know, was, was insulting. There's very, like, very good subliminal ways to break people, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> When I was when I was in boot camp, I remember uh, my my chief was like this old Georgia bulldog, you know, <laughs> and he kind of had one tone and one volume, and it was always very loud but very monotone. <laughs> but I remember whenever we'd go to the to the mess hall where we'd eat food, he'd always have this thing he'd say, he'd go, he'd go like, "This isn't Burger King." 
you can't have it your way, <laughs> right? But as soon as he'd say that, like I like we'd always we'd always go in height order, so I'd always be kind of the first one to get food. And so he'd say that, and he'd come by me, pass by me, and go, especially you, Yamis, <laughs> <laughs> and he would walk away. <laughs> like it's one of those things where like he knows he can't whisper. <laughs> So like when he says that to my to my like right in, into my ear, it's very loud, and yeah. everyone else can still hear him. Yeah. So it was a very humiliating thing. I didn't want to. Like I was like, I'll just eat vegetables. Like this. <laughs> no. but you the, and your mom must yeah. have got along. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That, that's great though like we talk about that in and the other thing it's it's almost like the things unsaid right and even your drill instructor for his monotone was had had a had a like a a, sen- a, a sense of com- a sense of humor oh, right yeah, yeah. he could he knew that he's already talking about people being fat he doesn't have to say it again yeah. you know what I mean just the fact that he's like you know referring to you he's just like we people already know what he's talking about yeah. beautiful <laughs> I don't I don't want to spend too much time on this guy but like I loved him because he was just kind of like because he did have this really weird sense of humor because he kind of knew the kind of persona he gave off uh, and sometimes we'd have these uniform inspections I don't know if you ever had that uh, David but like we'd like we'd we'd do it in a way where he'd uh, make another person describe what was on another person's uniform oh. and like you know what chevrons are yes so at some point you're supposed to say how many chevrons somebody has on their shoulder and this guy goes uh, instead of calling it chevrons he calls them shamrocks <laughs> And like some of us start giggling, <laughs> and then the, my chief comes running and he goes, "Who's laughing? Who's laughing? Listen, you gotta you gotta keep face when you hear stupid shit." <laughs> and that just made everyone lose it, right? Like he's had a keen sense of just what, like you know, how to fuck with people enough to like, you don't know if he's gonna yell at you or make you laugh, right? <laughs> But yeah. it's just like that dude. That dude's awesome. Hopefully, he's living a good life somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like, but it's like these kind of decisions, right? That they make that make them so brilliant. Like he starts trailing off in the end when he starts to just tell everyone, like, "Don't screw up this and that," you know. And like, what do all like? What's funny is like, you know, he's making all of these like crazy statements, like, yeah. "I'll make sure you never work again." And then, like, you know what's funny? It's like, what's he gonna do, right? Yeah. What's he gonna do? And the funny thing is, like, it's all in his choices, right? He doesn't say he's gonna ship you off to Siberia. <laughs> you always hear that in military movies, right? <laughs> They're gonna repost you in fucking Siberia, right? Someplace cold. But I think it's, but it, there was just something extra funny about it because. If he had said someplace cold, like, what would he have done after that? Right. right? It's like, because he picked, like, somewhere else, he's able to do that kind of, like, little jihadi kind of, <laughs> like, little kind of thing, right? And then, you know, and then sucking sand, right? And it's just like, that, even that choice was brilliant to me. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's just like, every moment he goes, it's like, you could see someone that's not as sophisticated the way he delivers it, it sounds like it's off the top of his head. Like they probably just had, they're like, Hey dude, just go and roast these people. Right. And we're going to, you know, we're going to take the best one or whatever. Yeah. And it's just like his decision-making is so like, he's so adept at it that like wherever, like he could have zigged the wrong way. He always, like, how do you burn a guy like Norm McDonald? Cause you just stare at him and instantly everyone's going like, uh, you know what I mean? It's hard. Yeah. You're reaching. So he didn't even go there. He's done this game enough to know, like, he's got to do something else, <laughs> you know? And I, I, I love that about it. I, I think yeah. it'd be great to see if there's any kind of outtakes just, in, oh, just yeah. to see all of his... <laughs> 
all the insults he did because I can't imagine. There's a little bit during the credits. We'll during, see. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah. But like, I can't imagine like you're Norman, you're Artie, and you're pretty much catching your stride now, right? Like yeah. this is very, this is kind of like the beginning, right, of them really hitting that mainstream. Just having someone like Don Rickles start roasting you, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Like, how do you even, how do you even like keep face in that, in that situation? Yeah, well, I think Don Rickles is like, it's interesting, his character, because like, I feel like he, at this point too, in the movie, like, you're starting to realize like, oh, there's a, there's a secret to Norm Macdonald's power. It's like, he finds people's weakness. You right. know what I mean? These, these really bully, these really strong people. It's like, he realized like everybody has like a button you can push. And like in this scene, you hear it, right? It's like for being, for all his intimidation, mm. still in the end of the speech, he makes you realize like how important this visit is from corporate to yeah. him, right? And it was like, that was his fatal exposure. It's like, it's almost like, all, all these characters that he ends up getting back at, it's like, because they're the characters that are the underdogs, the mm. one with nothing to lose, right. they just have to find what all these people that they hate care about and attack that. And I think that's kind of neat. You kind of yeah. hear... Like, they start to get you into that thinking mentality already mm. by the time you get to this part of the movie. So that by the time I already hear him talking about corporate showing up, I already know yeah. where this is going. You know yeah. what I mean? Well, it's like the classic Superman dilemma. You know what I'm saying? Like, you can't hurt Superman, right? You're going to hurt the things he loves. Yes. So, like, you just got to plan that out. It's interesting because it's just kind of like, it kind of shows, you know, where, where Norm comes from when he's thinking about writing, right? It's, yeah. Norm isn't about the instant payoff. <laughs> Yeah, you know yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah. He 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 knows he knows how to set things up and he knows how to pay things off. Yeah. And then like even shows here, which kind of makes me want to like like I know that he's still doing stand up and you can still watch his stuff and you know even if he didn't want to act right like he it's a shame that he doesn't write more of these kind of things because yeah. I feel like you know especially now with comedy where it's at like having him steer something and like I think one thing I I, I know I'm all, I'm all over this this movie's nuts but <laughs> I really love this movie yeah. right but this is like back in the day right because like you look at movies now right and the kind of shock value come to some of the cheap laughs come from these like really what i like to call really lazy cameos mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying where it's just kind of like oh here's a here's a celebrity that you wouldn't expect to show up in this movie but now they're here and they're doing something ridiculous right 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 like, right. like this movie has uh comedians being comedians you know what i'm saying it's like don rickles in this cameo he's not like they're not they're not parading him around like a goofball he's he's they're playing off of his strengths yeah right like when uh, spoiler alert when bob saget shows up later right they're playing off of his strengths right when chevy chase shows up they're playing off of his strengths you know they're not they're not trying to make these people feel like the other elements make them feel because these people are already funny that's what the thing is they're already funny you don't have to worry about them not being funny and like i think that's what's missing in a lot of these comedies today we we rely too much on the oh look it's kim kardashian and she's look she's acknowledging how bigger asses you know what i'm saying like it's kind of funny though it's like it it almost kind of gets me like really thinking about the structure of how a lot of comedy movies are set up where it's like you almost want to like create a story so simple Mm -hmm. you could tell Mm -hmm. the actual story probably in 20 minutes yeah but it's the, the humor is made up of all the scenes, mm-hmm. right? It's all the instances. Like, in, in Ricky Bobby, uh, you know, or, like, something like Talladega Nights, the funny thing isn't, like, the story of how he, you know, he was this great driver, and then he mm-hmm. wasn't a great driver, and now he's a great driver again. Right. Like, that's not the thing. It's funny because the story lets you set up a world where now you can have a skit of a NASCAR driver praying, you know what I mean, before yeah. family dinner. And just hearing what Ricky Bobby would pray about, <laughs> you know, at family dinner. Mm-hmm. And I feel like this movie kind of feels that way, where it's like, like you talk about the strength of these comics, right? It's like, this story was loose enough where, like, 
they could have all these really funny scenes, well-crafted funny scenes, right? And then, like, it's okay to have all these things strung together because the story is set up as such where it's almost like the story is designed to get you to each sketch. It's like, how do we film Norm doing Norm-type humor? Well... Norm seems to specialize in getting back at these these assholes, right? <laughs> these people that, like, everybody hates. It's fun watching Norm MacDonald get revenge on them yeah. by going after these people's these people's weaknesses. Yeah. And it's like, how can we display that, you know, as opposed to just worrying about, like, like you said, like we were talking about, the continuity of the plot holes or this or that. Like, none of that's important. You know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. just like, but you're right. It's like, that's a different kind of thing you're writing. You know, not everyone can write something like this. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was definitely like for them. Yeah. For them, the concept would have to be the funniest part. It, not, not. I'm not calling it out, but like, say, like a movie like Dodgeball. In the end, the mm. Dodgeball is the funniest thing about the movie, and that yeah, yeah. is what the movie was about. And it's like mm. it's all one big Dodgeball skit. Funny things about Dodgeball: how to train for Dodgeball, playing Dodgeball, what the characters that would look like that played out. You know what I mean? It's all kind of the same thing, but but like Dirty Work on the other hand, it like I felt like. Um, like the the revenge things set up a lot of different kinds of humor opportunities yeah, yeah. you know what i mean yeah. like it, it kind of opened up more it, w- it wasn't just this one kind of humor it like it was all these different sketches linked together by like oh we could just have these all be like revenge plots i was like this movie is good it, it really <laughs> it really is good yeah, because none of the, no two of the revenges are the same, except I think some popcorn related oh, stuff. Just, we'll see later. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like I don't know if that's just Norm's fascination with like. <laughs> I wonder if I, yeah, if we just put, chopped a bunch of kernels into a car and just pop popcorn, <laughs> <laughs> and like have it like have it where the explosions are massive enough to destroy the car, <laughs> <laughs> or a bulldozer. Oh yeah, a bulldozer. <laughs> But yeah, yeah, this is a great comedy. And that's another thing, too. Like, you'll see this in, like, great comedies for, like, certain actors. It's like, the great part is, like, I, I feel like Norm MacDonald, he's better off in the stuff that he writes for himself. Oh, yeah. yeah. You, you know what I mean? Because, like, even though I like hearing him in other things, like, where he voice acts for, like, another show, like, he's funny and he's still Norm MacDonald, but it's it, it doesn't match as well as his own writing matched for him. You know, like, yeah, the know. character he plays in this show, I could see, I could, it, it feels like that's the kind of guy he is. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? It's just, like, it was really perfect. Like, and like yeah. you know, I think I, I think people realize that, too, because, like, you know, you, you look at his kind of brief cameos in, like, uh, what's that, like, Billy Madison and stuff oh, like that, okay. right? Like, he's in there, right? And you know he's in there, but, like, he doesn't have, the, he doesn't have a lot of lines, but the lines he has are totally, you know, written for him. Yeah. <laughs> and so, like, yeah, it's... It's a shame that, like, maybe these are just things I'm seeing in movies, right? But, like, you're seeing, like, this shift where, like, comedians have to do these really serious roles, right? Just to kind of prove that they're, that they want to be actors or actresses. But, like, you know, if, if you just got, if you got people together and just wrote to people's strengths, then you, like, we would have better comedies. You know, dramas would be left to, oh, yeah, 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 actors, yeah, yeah. you know, and, like, these comedians wouldn't have to feel there's so much pressure that they have to feel like they have to be in these other mediums where, like, you know, obviously some of them shouldn't be. Right. doing dramas yeah. no it is like uh people your your comedic voice is important like you know jim carrey delivers his humor in a particular fashion mm-hmm. right and because it so he he filled those roles very well and it's it because it, 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 it was almost like designed for him and i think that like comedy is kind of like that it's like you don't accept something that doesn't sound like it's coming out of that person's voice it, yeah. you know what i mean like yeah. it like you couldn't have a role written for norm mcdonald played by another talented comedic actor 
because it's written for Norm Macdonald. Mm-hmm. It needs to be delivered in that persona, you know? Yeah. So it's like comedy is very special like that. That's why, like, I guess you can hear people talk about finding their voice. Yeah. Right? It's, it's kind of like this. It's catch-22, right? Because, like, me and you both have a lot of opinions on, like, specials, comedy specials, and, like, yeah. uh, them being released in the theaters. And I think, like, there's always, there's, there's always that magic of being in a live performance of stand-up comedy. Oh, right? sure. But sometimes I feel like, you know, just to get it out there, making it into a film, not the not the worst way to go, especially for people that probably can't afford to go to them. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. it's a good it's a good alternate route for at least then to be exposed to the to the material. And like, you know, that's the most that's the most purest form, right? Without without writing an actual co- comedy movie, it's just to have like, yeah, my the film is my stand up. <laughs> you know. Right. And then and then that brings up sort of an, another interesting kind of philosophical, I think, not divide, but, you know, discussion, which is that should your stand-up special be a good movie or mm. should it be an accurate depiction of the stand-up? Yeah. So that way the person watching it is getting the stand-up feeling as close as possible. Yeah, right. Or do you seek to display stand-up but use all of the movie, yeah. you know what I mean, attributes? Well, like, it's, like it's, what is it? Is it because movies and stand-up are different. Yeah. It's interesting, right? Like, cause talk about the way, the power of film and how it's filmed, right? Like, you look at a Kevin Hart special, con- like concert special, that thing's shot like a concert. Yes. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's not shot like a traditional. The type of shots, yeah. 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 You know, like, there are a lot of fish, fish eye lenses, or like a lot of it from <laughs> the ground up, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. As if he's performing music, and right. like he, he usually has the big background behind him mm-hmm. with like the huge screens and like there's explosions <laughs> and. So, I mean, like, yeah, there's definitely ways to give it that cinematic feel, definitely, right? But, like, you kind of feel like with comedy, right, do you need all the glitz and glamour to get that stuff across? Do you think that's just the way, like, a crutch to make people feel like... Because, like, if anything, it makes him, like, what it does is makes Kevin Hart look like a, like a superstar. <laughs> like, you could do the same exact thing. Like, you, you wonder why more comedians want to be that level don't shoot their stuff like that, right? It's, it's all about the persona you want to give off, and Kevin Hart's definitely comfortable living like a superstar because that's that's pretty much he's he's pretty much trans- transcended above com- comedy. Oh right, right, right. right? It's all he's a movie other, star. Yeah. yeah, he's a movie star. You know what I'm saying? So like, he's got to keep that feel about him. He's got to he's got to keep that like I'm a hundred million dollars. I'm worth a hundred million dollars type dude. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. When you go and see Kevin Hart, the feel you're looking for, you're not looking for that like sexy, intimate, like speakeasy jazz club where it's like you know small group of people listening to these artists. <sighs> Like kind of you know whatever like when you see him you're it 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 has that arena that spectacle feel yeah yeah which is like sure. very smart because like you know he obviously wants to make as much money as he can in the shortest <laughs> amount of time I don't know why but I, I mean I think that guy's gonna be okay with whatever he does unless yeah. like something catastrophic happens but definitely that feels of a feels of a mega mega star. There's one other thing I wanted to talk to you guys about in this minute. There's this band called the Hamiltons. Hmm. They're from Canada. Um, you ever heard of the band the Earth? No. Okay, this is a pop-punk band from the early 2000s. And when they were on tour, sometimes this band, the Hamiltons, would open for them, who looked a lot like the Ergs in Silly Hats. And they were called the Hamiltons after Mr. Hamilton, Don Rickles' character. Whoa! And they only had a handful of songs, and every song was named after one of his lines in the movie. So there were songs like Hello Ice Cream and You Have a Personality Like a Dead Moth. That's amazing! And so they're all on YouTube if you want to watch him. Or uh, they have a Bandcamp, I think. Bandcamp.com slash the Hamiltons or something. Um, so you can look them up. This movie goes deep, they man. They are awesome. 
It influenced a lot of people. And just like his, you know, Don Rickles has 90 seconds maybe of screen time in this movie. And it's all being immortalized in these uh, 90 second punk rock songs. Oh, awesome. Uh, oh, yeah. I mean, like, it's always, good to, it's always good to see that kind of stuff, right? Because like for, for a lot of musicians, you they always seem so uber serious and you know like my my work is a craft yeah. and uh, uh it's, it's good to know that like you know and i'm not saying that every musician is like it because it's definitely not true but it's always good to see, to see that like yeah we can have a sense of humor about ourselves yeah because yeah. like let's 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 be real like the the fate of most artists is obscurity right right so to deliberately choose not obscure, but you know what I mean? But it is. It's, yeah. it's obscure. It's like a small character in a, a kind of a cult classic movie. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's like, I love that. It's like, once, yeah, you're, like you said, it's not taking yourself too seriously. It's, it's not believing yourself so important that you're above calling yourself Mr. Hamilton yeah. and making these short little punk rock songs. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm. I love that. I love that they're humble enough to go, yeah, but yeah, this is, this is our niche right here. Oh, niche, yeah, you know? yeah. It was definitely. I think like, um, they probably didn't think about it back then, right? right. When they were doing this, right? But like, yeah, mm-hmm. definitely a way to keep these. It's a really clever way to keep these kind of things preserved, right? Because you know, along with that, right? There's there's a group called Zed's Dead, <laughs> right? They kind of do, they mostly do EDM stuff, but like oh. they're named after uh, uh, the line from Pulp Fiction, yeah, right? And I think Pulp Fiction is gonna go away anytime soon, right? <laughs> but like, just to have something where it references something like as good as dirty work yeah. is always welcome because I think we're kind of experiencing what our parents are exper- experienced and their parents experienced, right? Like there comes a time when the stuff that you were into as a kid becomes Nobody obsolete. Cares. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, you're right. Like, it does. Yeah. Very fast too. Mm-hmm. Right. Like you, you don't realize that like 2001 was, you know, 16 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like Dude. then there's like stuff from like that, from like, you know, even before that in the nineties that like I could recall in an instant, mm-hmm. it seems like I was doing it yesterday. Right. But you don't realize how much time has passed. Yeah, yeah. You know, how oh, many, yeah. and how many people are coming into relevance now that have no idea what you're talking yeah. about. So I mean, um, yeah, it's always good to have these kind of things. And like now, more than ever, right? Because I used to be like, oh, you know, like they kind of go for that cheap, like, like I know this thing. Look at me, I know this thing, right? But mm. now, but now, like, is he, now I just see how how much more important it is. Yeah. Oh yeah. When it comes to just keeping shit relevant that you love, <laughs> I know about you guys. That's just how I feel. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's just how I feel. It, it's, I mean, yeah, it's weird. It's uh, one of those things when you think about how uh, once everyone in our generation is dead, then a lot of these things no one will care about anymore. I don't want to make you guys feel old. Then I got older than me. <laughs> I'm not very old. I'm only 28 as, a, as of this recording. But like, I'll talk to like some of these, because co- like, I'm going to college too, and I'll talk to some of these kids about like, you know, R. Kelly, and, and uh, they'll have no idea who R. Kelly is, right? <laughs> that or like um, when Eminem came out with another album few years ago they thought he was new like I, I i met some people that thought he was a new artist right you know what i'm saying like the, this especially like and you think now with the internet and like the way things are preserved it'd be easy to get gain access to the stuff but you, you realize that like most people are looking for the for the newest thing they're not really yeah it's definitely an attraction you know. to new because what's weird is like i've been alive too like all these things that the, that younger people are into right mm-hmm. than myself right. right i was around for that it's not like i wasn't around for it that's why i don't know it mm. But it's just so funny how I like I looked at that and went, nah, I'd still rather just keep listening to this other stuff. I like this song that was written in 1978 is still better than this song I just haven't heard as many times. You know what I mean? It's just I just felt like I just felt like the I felt like for me the reason why it was so confusing, why all this stuff is so popular is because like I did see it. I saw it too, except it was just easy for me to ignore it. 
you know, because yeah, and I think like we're kind of a product of our own self fulfilling prophecies, right? Like we like we projected in our in our media and the movies, right? Mm-hmm. Like you want to know why music started to become more electronic and beep up do that, you know? What I'm saying like, I sound like I'm seventy five thousand <laughs> years old, right? But like it's just the way that we're this way that we're programmed. We think of the things that are coming up and we kind of fall into them, yeah. you know, regardless of what, like we we want to or not, right? It's like I remember watching movies where everyone in the future had weird names you would never name your kids right but now look but now like everyone's naming their kids weird shit right so it's happening already like the future's coming right like we're just more tuned to the fact that we liked we liked when people could play instruments and belt out to note for like five minutes straight right but like it's hard it's harder now to kind of be like i can't i can't find the talent and someone that's just copy pasting the, the beat over and over and over again. No, you know what I'm saying? Right. Yeah. Maybe, maybe, maybe I'm just an old man. Well, yeah, all of the above. <laughs> yeah, it's all those things. So, do you guys got anything else for this minute? Uh, thank you, Jeremy Castillo. Yeah, for saving us. Save us all. I'm sure, you and Bill Cosby are having a good time. Shine on, you crazy diamond. <laughs> <laughs> so, Anthony, thank you for joining us today. Oh yeah, no worries. Time is on my side. Yeah. So you'll have time tomorrow to finish out the week with us? Yes, absolutely. Awesome. So uh, listeners, come back and join us and Anthony as we uh, hit minute number 24 of Dirty Work tomorrow. Thanks for listening. I've never seen Pootie Tang. Our theme song is Emotional by Aura Bora. You should check them out and a bunch of other awesome bands at failedorbitrecords.com. And we'd like to give special thanks to the Star Wars Minute podcast, through whom all things are possible.